And I'm sitting there on Waterloo Bridge going, oh my God, I am in London, England, and someone has paid for me to be here. I'm getting paid, and Frankie Valley is singing to me on my phone. How did this happen? And then my next thought was, God, I wish he'd stop. <laughs> <laughs> love to do something with you we did this with ron where we were like we dissected um me and g and i dissected the entirety of that 20 minute section in act two between stay and the beginning of come on marion in terms of music theory in terms of character development in terms of so many different things um and we're sitting here with you and we were like, we want to do kind of a similar thing with the early years. This, this, that first, the you know, big section in the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, so th th this one would not really be so much with like music theory and all that per se, but we went through, um, the entire first 25, 26 minutes of the show and broke it down in terms of, oh, what we noticed here, uh, questions, observations, and we'd like to do a lightning round kind of thing with you where we go through our breakdown and you're like, okay, this is right. Okay, this is not right. Okay, you're full of shit. Or, okay, here's why you think it's this, but here's what it really is. Are you Absolutely. Go for it. Let's do it. Oh, we are very excited. <laughs> so, okay, right into it. Question one. Bum, ba, da, dum. So... The opening of the show, first of all, I mean, props to Mr. Richard Hester for that announcement at the beginning. Yeah. So people had told us over the years that it was Des, but then someone, I don't remember who told us, for, who, who first told us that it was actually, no, it's not Des, it's Richard. Is there a story behind you making the announcement? I recorded the announcement and because, just because we needed one. And nobody else was around, and so I recorded it, and it went up, and it and it worked, and it, and it was there for a while. And Des actually came up to me and said, "Would you mind if I recorded it?" And I, as a joke, said, "Yes, I actually would." <laughs> and he said, "Okay." I was like, "No, no, you can record it." He said, "No, no, no, I'm not going to record. It. I'm not going to record it." Let, well, that's the legend record. Yeah. So, ever since then, Des has recorded the announcement for every single show. The timing of uh, now is the perfect time to unwrap it. Whatever, however I said it worked. It hasn't <laughs> really been able to work on any of the subsequent shows that Des has done. He can't quite get the laugh, and and there's all sorts of like the, like the sound guy's got to kind of like take out a little sliver of it, and but but for whatever reason, and I have no idea why. It's it's like been a I think it's been a little thorn in his side, but I kind of love the fact that it's my voice there forever. <laughs> can can you do it for us right now? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, the company of Jersey Boys would like to remind you that the taking of pictures and the use of recording devices are strictly prohibited. 
Please take this time to turn off all handheld communication devices and please refrain from any calls or texting during the performance. If you would like to enjoy our hard candy or soothing lozenge, now would be the perfect opportunity to unwrap it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's like you just made all our dreams. <laughs> it's been about and six so months since I've even thought about it. But you did it. <laughs> and talk. That's also a Disney collectible because, of course, with with the subway story, if you've been to Disney World, I'm sure you have the monorail. It's like, please stand clear of the doors. But before Monday, hello, did us It's the same thing. <laughs> well, I, I do kind of love they. Pretty much, they've used it all over the place. Obviously, in Holland, somebody else did it in Dutch. And in England, somebody else did it because they wanted somebody to do it with an English accent. Although I think on the last UK tour, it went back to being me. Um, And it it was me in Australia, not the first time around, but the revival. And I think it was me in South Africa, too. Um, So I've been, my voice precedes me usually <laughs> or stays long <laughs> long after I've, I've left we it's fucking amazing and and with that we are so the 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 piano starts the piano comes in and we have now we're now like okay so we hear that da, 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 sounds familiar sounds like you know we know we know what that song sounds like and we're waiting and we're waiting and it's like okay um it's okay but nothing's happening but then these hip-hop dancers are coming on okay so like i'm gonna this is i'm obviously not in the right place i'm gonna go but then someone he starts clapping his hands and then he starts singing in french like okay catchy but i'm but i'm still gonna go because this is not but I, 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 I don't want to miss it because this is really like, I don't know, like he's rapping in French. They're singing. We know. I know this tune, though. What is this, this tune is. What, what is this? OK. And then they start doing. The, um, and so th- then the, the women start rapping. OK. So now now I'm really going to go. Um, and then not the, no. because women are rapping. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, you're yeah, clearly in the wrong clarified. place. <laughs> <laughs> and. Like okay, so they start singing this melody again. Okay, so, so, why? What is going? I I am feeling very conflicted here. And okay, okay, I'm gonna. You know what? I paid 150 dollars for this. Great, thank you very much. I'll see you later. <laughs> and um, then. And then. We we see these four handsome men in suits coming. Three out, just go- coming down. Three. 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 Sorry, I'm too excited. I'm mad at myself. And you know, just going. And I'm just like, <laughs> wait, hold on. Duop, silhouettes, sexy, what? We're back. Now, I'm like, that's what I came here for. Bob Gaudio had, and Frankie really stayed out of the creation of Jersey Boys almost completely. And, but one of the few things that Bob Gaudio wanted was to include Cesuara La, because at the time, it was just coming off of its, it was a hit for several years in Europe. And he wanted that song included in the show to show that the seasons were still relevant. Mm -hmm. You are like, okay, 
Oh my God, we got tickets to Jersey Boys. This is so good. Where do I put my coat? What's, what's happening? Do you, do, you, do you bring anything to eat? Don't show anybody. Can you believe we got these tickets? They're so good. Anything that you say in the first five minutes of the show, you have to repeat later on if it's important because nobody listens to anything in the first five minutes of the show. The, the, likewise, at the top of intermission, that's why we have Big Man in Town because you don't have to pay any attention to Big Man in Town. You come in, you sit down, whatever. whatever. It's just a song, right? It's just there. This, it, it, it takes us like a good five or six minutes to get into act two and the same way that Cesar Law starts. And just like you said, that's the theory. People are like, they finally settle down and they're like, where the fuck am I? What, this isn't Jersey Boys. This is just what it's supposed to be about the four seasons. Oh, there it is. But a lot of people don't remember that that's how it started. It's a, it's a pretty remarkable piece of stagecraft, I think. Because there's no real overture to get people in it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and there's no pre-show music. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's just an empty set with nothing on it. And did you think this highly of it when you first started working on the show? You know, I, I don't know that I had any idea why Cesar Law was really in the show. I'm kind of like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, so do you know direction-wise why they had the boys waiting in the back? Like, why, why wouldn't they come in through the wings instead? The idea of that is that the guys, they get a glimpse of what the future is. What the audience is seeing, if they're looking up there, are three guys kind of hanging out under, uh, under a street lamp. So as an audience, you are looking at the present, but the echo of the past is like back there, like, like, like a kind of uh, pentimento, if you will, of, of the past is kind of uh, coming out, coming through the picture. Yeah, and there's several. There's there's several times in in the show where stuff like that happens. Uh, like for example, the section that we call Planet Twando at the end, because where, where the four guys are standing at the very end, talking out uh, talking out front. Do you ever think we'd be on stage together? All that. The idea of that is that. You're, it's like a montage of their heads coming up, like circling around kind of, and it's just like a, a weird moment. Well, you can't direct actors to do that. So what I tell the actors is that they're getting their picture taken. So they're at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they're posing for the camera. And while they're posing for all these pictures, they're having a conversation. Mm. So, so yeah. that's what the actors are playing, but what the audience is seeing is well. something different. And Steve... Steve Orich's orchestrations under that, those cosmic sounds being played and the, the voices being heard, it creates that kind of um, it's like, lost it's like, like, it's, moment. Yes, it's like, a, well, Ron started calling it Planet Twando because it's like a cheesy science fiction movie. You know, <laughs> when you've got like a planet that you can see the string that it's hanging on and the little spaceship goes around it. That, that, that's, what he, that's what he was channeling when he wrote that music, when, right. when he figured out that oh, beautiful arrangement. Ron's arrangements and Steve Orich's orchestrations there. Yeah, they're, it, it they're really incredible. Ties, it dri- drives yeah. that home. Yeah, when David even coined, um, it's the conscious genius. Like they knew exactly what they were doing, and you know what you're doing. So totally, yeah. Well, seriously. So transitioning. Yes, back with, back to where we were. <laughs> well, <laughs> with the music, so so you go from this like well, you're in this beautiful pimento, past meets the present, but then you have the guys dancing, and they and, and it's in the song silhouettes. They say, 
Like, it's like, ha, 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 hoit, hoit. Like, what is hoit, hoit? Do you know the, the, what that the, is? All in... the songs in, in that era had weird syllables like that. <laughs> the, 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 uh, they're, just, they're just what they sang. So um, next, um, we have Tommy's shirt. Um, it's purple in the original Broadway cast, but it became that, that pink shirt with the white dots on it. So why the change in color? Originally in La Jolla, we had a budget of 75 cents. Jess Goldstein did a lot of shopping at like Mandy's and Century 21 and just grabbed clothes. Some of them are still bought. Cessuara La clothes are different in every company because they're bought. And we kind of update them in terms of hip hop stuff. So, so if you if you guys have ever YouTubed Yannick in the original video of yes. it, you can see that it's pretty much the same. I mean, the costumes in there are just as weird as the Broadway show, and the choreographer Sergio, you know, borrowed a lot of the general idea of the choreography from the original as well. In that stuff, it's you know, it's insane. So what happened was is that they bought these clothes, and then we had to replicate it. So Frankie's pink shirt with the little dots on it, the, the, that, the, the shirt that he wears when he's a kid, that material got replicated. That was a, originally a bought shirt, got replicated, and Lee Austin has a warehouse full of that material so that some of that stuff, the stuff that's iconic, is exactly the same now everywhere. Um, and when, when it came time to print up that stuff, some of the things were decided what they were going to be permanently and some of it no one was all that crazy about from the beginning because Jess didn't have much choice and we were making changes and adding characters up to the last minute too so suddenly we had a whole new character on stage who needed a whole new costume so like some of the stuff like the bubble dress is built but a lot of it was bought now it's pretty much uh, St. Laurie was a company in New York that does all all the suits and did all the suits all over the country, actually. And St. Laurie was like just about to go out of business. And then Jersey Boys came along and they've done all Same. of our suits ever since. <laughs> and y- you guys just changed the, sh- the, the Sherry shirts from those other blue ones to the darker kind of purplish, more bluish. The, the, those, those, again, cha- those aren't built, those are bought. Mm-hmm. So, those were so bought. over time... The colors in the stores change. So, so right, right. What, what happens is somebody's shirt wears out and you got to buy another shirt. You can't find the color. you got to then buy new shirts for all the guys so that, right. so that they right. meet in together. What about the guitars? What company do you use to buy the guitars? Most of the guitars are Strats and Telecasters. Originally, the idea was that they were, everyone was going to play their instruments on stage. And then that fell apart. Because from casting. Well, for, first it fell apart. Like we couldn't figure out how, Daniel Reichert could play the piano, the original Bob Gaudio, but we couldn't figure out how to amplify the piano. The, you couldn't do anything wireless when we started. That came in later. So it would have been trailing an umbilical on, on the stage. So <laughs> he, he, even though he auditioned and had to play the piano, he then mimed it when he actually did it in the show. In fact, when the actual keyboard player, the the female keyboard player comes up on stage to play, she's miming too, because there's just no way to connect any of that stuff up. Uh-huh. So originally, Tommy played the guitar and Nick played the bass. 
But then we got some Tommies who weren't all that great. And ultimately, we couldn't cast that many people. There weren't that many good guitar playing people or bass playing people. And Norm Waxman originally was the second drum player. And so you need two guys to be able to hip hop in the opening number. It can't be Norm Waxman because he has, he's one of the three that comes down. So it either has to be Pesci, Hank, or Bob yeah. Crew. Bob Bob Crew. Yeah. Bob Crew. Th- those three guys, even when Bob Crew was just Bob Crew, you could pick two of those guys. Then either Hank or Norm had to play the guitar, and Norm had to drum. So sometimes when you're casting, you're looking for a hip-hopping guitar playing Hank. And and sometimes like so even to this day we're like this guy can't hip hop. So the the then crew and Pesci have to be able to hip hop. Except now right. with the cut down cast, we don't have that luxury. They're locked into what they have to do. But Norm no longer has to drum because okay. we cut the second drum kit. Wow. Yes. So now and now with the cut down technical version, no one on stage is live musically even when they're people mm-hmm. who can do it no one is so it's it's all offstage musicians so we, we we've seen videos of the show like they're available they're everywhere and but we noticed that um in the original Broadway cast the crowd went wild when tommy was like belleville new jersey now no one's going to cheer for Belleville, New Jersey, <laughs> usually. <laughs> so, like, and it got, like, it was just such enthusiasm. They were laughing through everything. Um, did the enthusiasm change over time for lines that you never thought would? The, the original production attracted, the, the, our first audiences were all Jersey. They were all, they were all Four Seasons fans. They had all people who grew up. There was always people from Belleville, New Jersey in the, the audience. Yeah. yeah. Well, that changes right. radically when you go to London mm-hmm. or Holland. Right. No one knows who any of, what any of that is. Right. And in fact, when we opened, when we started, no one even knows what Jersey is, really. When we right. started in London... During rehearsal, on the Isle of Jersey, which is in the, in the English Channel, there was an orphanage. And they, while we were in rehearsal, they discovered the bodies of several boys who had been buried on the grounds of this orphanage. So there were headlines talking about Jersey boys. But it was, the, it was literally dead kids on the Isle of Jersey. So we spent a lot of time having to explain what Jersey was. Um, there, there, there are those lines, obviously, you have to change because um, it yeah. just... It or just, just clarify. Yes. Yeah, clarify. Well, well, well it, it's like we all know who Eisenhower is and Rocky Marciano, but we have to actually say Eisenhower, the president, and Rocky Marciano, the heavyweight champ to explain what that was. And some of the jokes at the beginning are very, are very, frankly, New York-centric, New York, New Jersey-centric, and they just don't translate all that well. Um, so we had to rewrite parts of the beginning to make it more European or internationally accessible, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And who was involved with writing those lines? Was that, Rick that and the, yeah, that was that was Rick and Marshall and Des. Yeah, later on, and when we played Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, we had to come up with a a show that had no swearing in it at all. So I have a script that we refer to as the fuck free Jersey boys because, <laughs> because the, the king of Malaysia was coming and he's very devout. And so you, you know, if you, if you actually, I think you get strung up and killed or whatever, but it's bad things happen in Malaysia if you don't do what you're supposed to do. And in fact, in the United States, their town, when we play the South, we don't say motherfucker. And we don't say goddamn. We change both of those, those things. There, there are also, there are many places where you cannot smoke at all indoors. Like Chicago is a perfect example. In, instead of passing a joint in those cities, we pass a flask that everyone sips from. And then Bob sips from it and then gets, it gets pushed up and the, the woman makes him really take a big gulp. I think one of my favorite changed lines for the UK was like, um, instead of the whole turnpike thing, he's like, and we got the, some of the finest prisons in the country. Yes. And I speak from considerable personal, personal experience. experience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, but, which, which, which actually tells you who the guy is more than what the, the, the you have to kind of understand what the Meadowlands is mm-hmm. to, for that to be, for the original line to be funny. Um, the line the the first the first time we hear if you're from my neighborhood uh, with Tommy um, you got three ways out you could join the army you can get mobbed up or you could become a star every song's played in France could happen did happen so it, it just just to me I, I I was the one who brought this up it just seemed like this line could have been somewhere else and then it got mo- maybe like moved around he, is that no it was always there remember Tommy is directed dresses have happened after he's kicked out of the band. After he left the group, he goes to prison for 10 years. He's working with Gyp DiCarlo. There was a money laundering scheme that was actually involved with... He was there with, for 10 years? He was in jail for 10 years. So th- during a What a Night, that's pretty much where he is in jail. And suddenly he's famous or he's performing it. He performs again at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that's why I have the actors say that that's where these direct addresses are coming from. So what the direct addresses are for old Tommy now, post-jail, is an opportunity for Tommy to get back in the group. So what Tommy has to do during the entire spring session is to convince everybody that he has a rightful place to to be there. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some problems one of which is all the time he spent in jail. What he does in the direct addresses is normalize the idea of going to jail for us, the audience. By the end, he's calling it Rahway Academy of the Arts. He's taken all the teeth out of it so that knowing that the other three guys are going to talk after him, he's already, they can't talk about prison because he's already copped to it. And he's made it seem silly and fun. All four guys have a different dream of why they want to be successful. Frankie wants to sing for the audience. He wants respect from the audience. Nick doesn't give a fuck about the audience. Nick is only playing for himself. He, he would be happy to sit in the corner of his room and play 
or sit on stage in Madison Square Garden. It's himself that he's interested in. Bob Gaudio is interested in his peers liking him. He wants everybody in the industry to respect what he's doing. Tommy wants the guys in the old neighborhood to respect him. That's who he's trying to respect, to get respect from. So all four guys want the same thing for completely different reasons. Question. Yes. Do you like the movie? We've no. heard... No. The, the, the movie... Yeah. The, there's a lot of good stuff in the movie, but it's a basically a missed opportunity. It's not well-directed. The... Olivia like, thought the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's... There's... A lot of the people in it are Jersey Boys, people who have done Jersey Boys. And some of them do better than others do. Mm-hmm. The people who do best in the movie are the people who couldn't sing and dance at all, like the guy who plays Tommy, who Vincent were Piazza. film actors. Yeah, who were film actors. Um, like, the, the, they're, they're, like, that stuff when they all get into the old age makeup, mm-hmm. it's like, no. They're... they're, they're like Donnie Kerr does a lovely job as Norm in the mm-hmm. Coney Island scene, I think. There's yes. some there's some there's if some I really good sections of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Bergen does a nice job as Bob. They're all good, but but it's it, they would have done better to have completely cast it with film actors, I think, on some level. I, I just don't I don't think Clint Eastwood had any sense of tone for it. I don't think he knew what he wanted. And so he di- he didn't help the guys very much and he didn't really tell the story very well. And like the some of the or- his brother did the orchestrations for "Can't Take My Eyes Off of You" and it's unlistenable. I mean, it's just terrible. So you, you kind of look like at that. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just yeah, horrible. Actually, and and Ron and and Gaudio tried to to you know help on the music, but the, the Eastwood just kind of blew them off. Honestly, like I I saw it June twelfth, twenty fourteen. It was released June twentieth, twenty fourteen. The first movie I ever reviewed. I'm a film person too, and. I did love it, but I I only saw the show once before. So, of course, I knew it. I listened to the OVC soundtrack all the time. Um, But I definitely have a different perspective on it now. Um, Well, I I love the fact that so many actors who had done the show got to do it. All the women Mm -hmm. who show up all like Miss Frankie Nolan. I mean, all of them. You know, we're in the show at some point or another. Yeah, and Renee um, and Erica. Renee did a lovely job. They, I mean, they all, everyone did a lovely job. The, the, the actors were great. It was yeah. but all the behind the scenes that happened. Yeah, it, it's, it's, so. it was, it's just, it's a shame because it's kind of a missed opportunity. So the, the, the next thing uh, uh, we want to cover is the Ed Sullivan impression. We've seen it done so many different ways, so many different times. Do you do you guys say, "Hey, just watch Ed Sullivan and just see see what happens, see what comes out of your mouth"? It's, the, the the direction that they get is it's all about the jowls, well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, oh. and it's it's also like. If you look at Nixon, Nixon and Ed Sullivan sound pretty much exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. So the actor tries to be good, but it turns out to be bad, which is perfect. Um, so Jersey Boys is known for its, you know, the minimalist set. And um, so what was the purpose of the projections? Is it they're more beyond the color scheme representing the season? So, so because Clara had to design the set before she'd read the script, the idea was, and Des uses this a lot, which is imagery from the period to give you an abstract idea of what's going on in the era and in that scene. It was the idea that Des originally had was a kind of comic book look using kind of Roy Lichtenstein style 
And we have a photographer, we found a photographer named George Tice, who had taken a whole bunch of pictures of Jersey in the 50s and early 60s, that all the photographs in the show are George Tice's. Okay. Oh, like, like the one, like on the, the one, um, yes. on, on, yeah, when, when they're driving the Yes, car. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So originally on Broadway, that was two screens with, with, a, with a picture on it. Tour one had three screens as well. But then when we went down to the speed set, my idea was actually to put everything that was flying on the LED wall, to travel with an LED wall. We, and before we presented this to anybody, a, a guy in the office and I went through and to see if it was, would be feasible financially to do that. And we presented it and everyone kind of jumped on it. And the idea floated early that, well, maybe we can do fanciful things on the screen. And Des was like, no, we're going to do exactly on the screen what we did in real life. So this, all the stuff that flies in and out now on the tour and off-Broadway is all virtual. Oh, like that wall after um, when, when they're going, oh, Mr. Bobby Businessman. Where I'm the, yes, where that, 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 that's, that's one bridge. of George Tice's photographs. But, but like going into the Strand Club, the sign is virtual, the fence is virtual, everything about it is virtual. There's no real sign there. Oh. See, it worked. <laughs> so so now one of the things that we found is when we were teching that, if, you, if the sign and the fence are move in perfectly together, it looks fake. So we had to then program in human error. So the sign goes slightly slower than the fence and then catches up to it. So it's not, it, it looks like two actual pieces moving. And... I've had crew, crew guys from the original Broadway company come in and say, well, why, why did you animate that part and not that part? I'm like, dude, they're both animated. It's all animated. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and when we did, we did the, the tour played Atlantic City for a couple of weeks last year, I guess. And one of the, one of the producers came in and said, how are you traveling, at intermission, said to me, how are you traveling with all of that crap? And I said, it's just one wall. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 I'm talking about all the stuff that's flying in. I'm like, it's just one wall. It's all animated. He's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, it's animated. And then at the end of the show, he's like, okay, I'm looking at it now and I see that it's animated. But I didn't, I didn't at all see that it was animated before. But like people think, oh, maybe the fence looks a little bit fake. But the strand, the pizza sign, all that stuff, it's just projection. None wow. of it's real. It's like, you should work for like Pixar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Has there ever been a programming mishap? Oh, all the time. What, what do you do? How do you fix it? Okay, I did this when I was called... In the original Broadway company, there's like three or four levels of fences. And like going into the dawn sequence, the middle fence has to go out. And then when it gets to a certain height, you send the drums downstage. There's a million things going on at the same time. And you're talking cues nonstop, literally nonstop. Electrics one, go. Electrics nine, go. Electrics 17, go. Electrics and while you're going that fast you're flipping switches then rewarning things it is there's literally no time to breathe so in this sequence i hit the switch for the fence to start moving as soon as i see the fence is moving i hit the switch to bring the drums downstage because i know by the time it engages the fence will be over his head mm-hmm. so 
all's fine. We go for like months, no problem. One day, we're going, I hit the switch, the fence, I see the fence is moving, great. I hit the, hit the, the switch for the drums, drum starts down. Well, the dr- fence got stuck about a foot and a half in the air. So the, but the drums kept going. So the fence swept the drum kit and the drummer completely off the platform. It, the fence was just high enough for the platform to go underneath, but for none of the drums to go. So everything swept off this platform and the platform kept going. And I'm yelling, stop, 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 stop. And, and it is like a cartoon because at the end of it, there was dead silence except for the last symbol going. And it was like, we are fucked. So I said, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a slight technical problem, which of course got a massive laugh. Yes. We are going to pause for just a few moments and fix it. Please remain in your seats. And this was in the first year of Jersey Boys. Oh, wow. And oh, on the, when we loaded out the show, fence number two still had a bend in it from when I fucked it up. The, 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 there, was a, there was a moment in, when we were in San Francisco where there was an earthquake, like a, a little, like a four point something earthquake, and it rumbled everything a little bit. And Eric Bergen, who was playing Bob, stopped the show. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, I think we've just experienced an earthquake, but it's going to be fine. We're all, and, and leave he, it to we're, Eric to we're, do that. We're, exactly. We're all going to leave the stage for a moment and we're going to make sure everything is okay. And then we'll come back. And everyone in the audience is like, what? Can I mean, they were. Did he do that? No. Did he get fined? He got yelled at. Because it's like, by first who? of all, by He's, everybody me, yeah. the that's, producers, everybody. That's the company that. managers. Well, it's, it's, I mean, he was 20 when he started the show, Still. he wasn't even legal. So there you it go. Was really legal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the uh, but he learned not to ever do that again because you know in San Francisco those little four things happen four times a day. It's just Damn. part of life there. Okay, so um, when Tommy's going to jail, um, Earth Angel, Nick Massey's giving him the playing cards. Right. He's giving him cigarettes. Oh, well, so I, I I guess we just thought it was playing cards because of the playing cards at the beginning, but. I was always like, huh, seems a little small for playing cards, but I, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I just thought it was playing cards. Um, so anyway. Cigarettes are Tommy prison currency. Yeah. Right. It's a good exactly. line. Also, Tommy going to jail, he brings his suitcase with him and he gives it to the guy and then he leaves. Um, but he doesn't take a suitcase when he gets out. Why not? He goes in to jail as his younger self. He comes out of jail as the narrator. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. So it's that differentiation of Tommy. Yes. Do you know what Tommy's jail experience was like? There's a story that when t- Tommy, in reality, Tommy, Nick, and Frankie were all the same height. They were all tiny. There's a story that when Tommy went to jail the first time, he knew he was going to be in trouble because he was so little. And frankly, he was kind of cute in those early days. I don't know where the story came from. It may have come from Tommy himself or it may have come from maybe Bob told it because Tommy told him. But the first day that he was in jail, 
when they were out in the yard, he found some sort of piece of pipe or a two by four or something like that, found the biggest guy out there, the biggest, meanest looking guy he could find, when his back was turned, just went insane on him and beat him to a pulp. Like the guy, the guy didn't even know what hit him. Literally, he was facing away. And so after that, everyone thought Tommy was completely batshit crazy and word spread like wildfire and everybody stayed away from him. So the, the, he, got a, he, got, he established his reputation that first day and then no one messed with him. In the original Broadway cast recording, um, when they're in the church, um, uh, so... Uh, uh, um, the, the Broadway, the, before you ask that, the Broadway cast recording yeah. bears very little relation to the, to the actual show. It got... Because it was before you transferred. No, 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 no. It, it, it was specifically rewritten for the album. The, it, it, it was, they, once we were up and running and we were hit and they were going to make the album, they knew they wanted to make an album, but they didn't want to just do four season songs. They wanted to try and encapsulate the show somehow. And so right. Rick and Marshall wrote essentially another version of Jersey Boys to specifically be recorded for the album. So in the recording, when they're in the church, um, what are we doing in church? I thought we were going to the movies. And Nick says, relax, will you? The kid's ready to play a big room. So I always thought, you know, when I saw the show, there were going to be people sitting in pews, you know, because I thought he was going to be playing a mass, singing a mass. But no, they're breaking into a church. <laughs> so Nick Massey kind of goes for the boobs on his date like when, he's, when he's playing the piano. Show me the way. <laughs> you know? Totally. No, sometimes well, Nick does it, sometimes they don't. So how is that part they're, they're, all, they're all supposed to do it. Okay. The, the, okay. The, 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 some of them are better at it than others. Uh-huh. The, 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 but it also, it requires, it, there's a bunch of things in the show that happened because the actors just sort of did it. And when we were originally doing that, I think that was one of those moments where, you know, what the, the, she was directed to, like she and Frankie were going together over the piano and Bobby Spencer just kind of had a look. And Des was like, oh, I love that. Keep that in. And so now it's in everywhere. So uh, Officer Petrillo or Stanley or whoever it is this now week. Now we know. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now we know the names. Um, so he comes in and um, he arrests Nick. Nick takes pride in his appearance and his clothing, but he so so it's like you know don't don't bend the suit you know because he but he basically told the officer that the suit fell off a truck. Hey, it's important. <laughs> so why doesn't why, that it, line he, get a laugh? It's hilarious. The thing that never gets a laugh that I've now tried three hundred ways, it's never ever gotten a laugh in any company is when. And I've got a very special relationship with it. Tommy. Yeah. You pick up my dry cleaning? It never gets a laugh. Mm-hmm. And I've tried it without the Tommy. I've tried it with him standing there. I, I, I've, I've tried any number of ways. Des has never gotten anyone to get a laugh on that, and I've never gotten anyone. And no one can understand why that doesn't get a laugh. Hi, I laugh. <laughs> we laugh. We both laugh at that. It's so funny. It's but so no, funny. I mean, it should be like a big laugh, and it just never gets a laugh. Um... You want to ask him about the, the, the nun? Yes. The skirt, yeah. Why does the nun wear a knee-length skirt? You could see the rest of her legs. It was just surprising that you could see that much skin on a nun. 
effective. Well, you, you, you saw Sister Act. Yes, I did. Wendy McKenna had a short skirt. True. There is no nun, though. Is it not a nun Which, I, I who says, I told you it wasn't no vision? No, 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 she's not a nun. She's, she's the next-door neighbor. She, she, oh, she's, so. the crazy, she's the crazy church lady who lives ne- next door to the church. Who, oh. Yeah, she, she's not a nun. That see them breaking in. Okay, yes. She, be, she, but, but she, she, she literally has like 300 cats, and she sits there, and she calls the police all the time <laughs> with a complaint. And, and the cop was like, honey, you're just having visions. Get over it. And then so, so the, she finally says, no, 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 I swear to God, there, there, there's, I can see flashlights. They broke this broken glass. You have to come, or I'm going to call the state troopers. And so the guy's like, oh, okay, whatever. And they, they break in, and there the guys are. And she's like, see, I told you it wasn't no vision. And yeah, but that's she's her not a, backstory. Thank you for yeah, correcting us. She's, she's well, not a and, nun. And, okay. In, in the movie, and, it's depicted as a wait, nun. You know, she, 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 she sits down with her, bottle, her glass of wine, <laughs> has that big belly belch. And so I guess it's ever since then, which I guess we always just thought. No, that would, be, that nun, would, that would be Clint Eastwood improving the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak for Clint. That's funny. <laughs> Um, I like your. I, I like this version better. <laughs> I mean, three hundred cats. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. From from the church, we go into. Um, we're back at the Silhouettes Club, right, for um, the Sunday kind of love reprise, um, and then meets Mary, and then we go into uh, Mangios, and the last thing we hear before they sit down is. I can't give you anything but love. And it's kind of like, there's two things here. Frankie can't give Mary anything but love because, you know, he he, he has his, you know, the, the way he grew up. You're already reading around. too much into it. It's no, literally it's- just the idea that it's a popular song at the time. Frankie was singing it, and so is the waiter in the restaurant. Okay. Why is Mary Delgado a redhead? To completely differentiate her from Francine. The, the three women, their main characters are Francine, who's dark, Lorraine, who's blonde, and Mary, who's red. Mm-hmm. It's just to, to make them distinct. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. This is my... <laughs> I really want to you know this. Okay, so... You know, Mary, she's like, plus what you're Italian. you got to end in a vowel. I'm Italian. In my, in my, I've never heard anyone say plus which anything. <laughs> Do you know where that came from? Like, plus which no you're idea. Italian. Like, I've, I've just never heard that. Like, plus like, what, <laughs> like, what, what are you trying to say? I always, like, it's, it's, it's funny. I just always wonder if that was something that I, I missed well, growing up. Well, there, there's a couple things in there that are not that are Marshall Brickman. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you breaking Marshall. into a ch- what what are you breaking into a church? I mean it's it's Jewish. Yes. What are you so what are you breaking into a church? What are you and then and is the same line happens later. What are you busting my chops? Mm-hmm. Um, half half the pie has been eaten. They're hungry. Frankie no manj, Mary no manj. I don't, you know, they're hungry. You know, they got to fuel up for later. It's that's what it's supposed to be is just some crusts left. What what happens is the way the props get ordered, they send a whole slice, and then the prop people on the show have got to cut the rest of the pizza 
off. It's real so, pizza? No, it's, it's, all, it's all fake. It's plastic. Okay. But the, the, the problem is, is if I'm not there, something happens and a new prop person I've never met who doesn't really know the show orders what has been ordered. The whole thing comes. They think the whole thing is supposed to be there. But in fact, it's supposed to be the crusts left from two or three pieces. And then the rest of them are supposed to be kept off stage for when something happens to the pieces that are on the, on the thing. So it's only supposed to be crusts. Gotcha. Okay. Well, they were very hungry. <laughs> yes, they indeed. Because they don't sell slices. <laughs> until you can exactly. Tell. It's a whole pie. <laughs> they each had half. <laughs> um, okay. This is a tough question. But I, we both have noticed that some actresses play Mary really dumb or ditzy especially in the pizza scene. Um, but in the movie, they add dialogue um, to prove that Mary like knows her stuff and she could... No, no, none of them are ever directed to be dumb or ditzy. Okay. Uh, uh, Mary, I think, is the sm- one of the smartest people in the show. Yeah. The problem with Mary is she's too smart to be a woman in 1956. Mm-hmm. In 1956, an uneducated Italian woman could be a maid or a hooker or a waitress. That's pretty much all she's got. The only option that, she, that a woman who's as smart as Mary has, who wants to get out of the neighborhood, is to marry a guy who's going to get her out of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mary's problem is that everybody in the neighborhood are assholes. And, and like even Tommy, who's like arguably sort of the king of the neighborhood, has absolutely no interest in leaving the neighborhood. So when Frankie comes in, she's already 26 years old. 26, okay. She's looking at Frankie and thinking, okay, this kid's got talent, but he's 17 years old. So the pizza scene, in a lot of ways, is kind of her auditioning him. to. First of all, she's not going to put up with a husband who's in jail. So he's hanging out with these guys who are in and out of jail all the time. So that's why she starts asking about the other guys in the group. She knows who the other guys in the group are. She's very well aware of them. She's trying to figure out if he's going to be one of them. And in the course of that scene, he convinces her that I'm going to be bigger than Sinatra. He actually has a dream of getting out of there. And that's what makes her go, okay, kid, I guess I'm going to give you a shot. Let's go. But she has to make that one dig at him. Stand Only on if you chair. stand on a chair. Exactly. Well, she, she she has resting bitch everything, which is which is part of her problem. But she didn't mean it that way. So right away, she's like, "Oh fuck, I've pissed him off," and that's not. She was kind of hoping that you know something good would happen. Aww. So so, but she can't help herself. Mm-hmm. They both can't. Yeah. No, they're both idiots. So we finish. Um, they 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 kiss. You got a nickel. Call your mother. Call your mother. She's so considerate. It's amazing. Gonna be home late. So, and then Candy Girl is playing under Tommy's next aside, next uh, director dress. And we theorize that uh, Ron's choice of the song here was invoking emotions without the lyrics because, you know, Tommy's talking over it and Tommy's shitting on Frankie's happiness and on the puppy love. Mary scares Tommy. Tommy says in that speech, it's one of the few times that he's absolutely truthful. I never, I don't know what love was. Love is, you know, 
love is not marriage. Marriage is, you know, you, you take a shave while your wife sits on the can and clips her toenails. So the, the that's an honest thing. Like what Tommy can't handle is a relationship that goes beyond the initial you know, excitement honeymoon phase and then settles into life where, you know, everyone isn't primping all the time and making themselves look perfect and you're seeing the real person. The real person is sitting on the can clipping her toenails. So he fundamentally is looking at Frankie and Mary and not getting it. I, like, I, I look at that, I don't know what that is. So... um we um we move into the first car scene and i mean this is this is just iconic this whole i mean i think one of the only th- one of the only things i remember from there's only two things i remember from the first time i saw the show in 2012 dawn i'll never forget it especially when they go back to the back of the stage and um the gunshot um it's the only two things i remember um, but how do they hide the blood capsule? He's got a, he's got a little, like a, like a corner of a baggie that's filled with a, like a circle that looks like a giant jawbreaker. So it's about, you know, about an inch, about an inch in diameter, maybe, maybe like three quarters of an inch in diameter and it's tied off and he keeps it between his teeth and his cheek. So that he's, it looks a little look like Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Mm-hmm. So it's, he's, he's talking through that. And then he's, his last line is, oh, yeah, what are you going to do about it? While the other, while Stosh is saying, or Donnie rather is saying, how about this? He's moving with his tongue, moving the packet to between his teeth. When he gets shot, he has to chew down on it because it's hard to break that plastic. Chew down on it and his mouth fills with blood. He is directed to go forward so that, and this is practical, so that the liquid in his mouth can move to the front of his mouth rather than be in the back where he bit it and then die backwards. So with his tongue... He can push the liquid slowly out of his bottom lip. So we want it to cover as much as we possibly can. If you push it out too far, it spurts out and it gets on the stage, which we don't want at all. The shirts that he's wearing in that scene are specifically for that scene. So they just get, and there is, whatever we're using for blood washes out pretty decently. But the the problem is it's really slippery. So you don't want it on the stage and we don't want to get it on the car seat. So it gets over the front of him rather than on anything else. And then he has a quick change backstage. He's got a, a handkerchief that he wipes his mouth and spits out the, black, the plastic thing mm-hmm. with right at the beginning. And then says, well, don't. Just lean on him hard. I want that money, asshole. Mm-hmm. How, how much money do you guys spend cleaning that shirt every night? <laughs> it's actually pretty easy to clean because it... Ultimately, not a lot gets on it. More gets on. The tie is dark and the suit is dark so that you really can't notice. I mean, they're pretty nasty when you look at them up close, but you can't notice at all from the audience when you're looking at it. After the scene, we uh, 
they uh Tommy's Tommy's coming down the stairs and Frankie's like it's a murder rap what's going to happen and uh and then obviously Tommy with the iconic line let me explain to you something you shoot somebody you got to shoot all the witnesses too this is a basic rule it's like common sense it's like how do you not know this <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah the the the, the shooting thing some one of the actors did, it might have been Christian early on, and Des was like, yes, keep that. So everybody now has to do the shooting thing. They've got to, they've got to point their fingers into the audience. Like, you've got to shoot the audience. T- I mean, you've got to no, shoot the, the witnesses too. Oh, wow. I That's love adorable. <laughs> That's great. I love that. And so what we noticed is there's plastic on Tommy's chair. It's like, is it... A, yeah, it, go ahead. It, it's like every grandma chair. It, it, it was in the fifties and sixties. It's what everybody did. They they covered their upholstery with all that plastic crap. Mm. Yeah. Tom, would Tommy have done that? Probably not. But that plants that scene firmly in that era mm-hmm. by doing that. That's why it was there. Right. Everyone just loved the idea. I'm like, yeah, Tommy stole that from some lady down the street. Yep. Or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yay, that's what I thought. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and, and by the way, the two women who are in his house, mm-hmm. the only re- reason those two women are in that scene is that at the end of the Donnie Stosh scene, the car seat the, on the original Broadway company, the two car seats got pushed all the way upstage and then the half black came in and covered them. It was completely distracting. You, the, it, there was no way to get it up there quickly. You couldn't bring in the half black until the guys were already up there. Otherwise, you'd kill them because it's already at head level up there. So Des was like, OK, well, we're going to put two pretty girls in very little clothing yeah. downstairs. <laughs> and, and that's seriously the only reason those two girls are in the show is to totally distract from the fact that we have to get rid of the car seat. And no one has ever noticed the car seat going off. Gay, straight, doesn't I, matter. No, Men, women, no, everyone is looking at the girls. The, 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 the other thing I, I should just say, too, is I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but exiting off the bridge upstage right means you're going to jail or you've died. Everyone who goes to jail Whoa. or dies leaves up the bridge, across the bridge, and offstage right. When you come out of jail, you come out of that way. When Nick comes back to life at the end, he comes back out of that way. But that is the exit for dying in jail. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> I'm that telling you, this, there's almost nothing that hasn't been thought out. Nothing <sighs> that hasn't been accounted for. But Beautiful. I never thought of that. that that's where that's Lorraine crazy. leaves. Mm-hmm. That's where Mary finally leaves. Yeah. Um, they all, Francine dies and goes up and exits off that way. Wow. Come on. Come on. Come, come on. on. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, speaking Why of, of don't people. don't you come on. Come, I know. Put you on. Not, whatever. Um, <laughs> okay, well, speaking of characters either just leaving or different casting with those characters. Um, so, Jip was played by, like, an older man for a while. Um, and... David and I always loved that because it really helped establish a, a real father figure between Jip and Tommy and Jip and Frankie. So when you were... And the differences between their relationships. Yes. 
And when you were um, fitting the show and making the cast smaller, was it hard to let Jip go in that aspect? Well, Jip has Jip's always been understudied by younger guys mm-hmm. because we don't have another older guy in the show at all. We only have three offstage swings and all three of them have to be seasons. Mm-hmm. So the, the, his understudy has always been there. And the understudy is allowed, instead of to say, instead, the original line is, um, you got to take me so I can see my grandmother. Right. Uh, sorry, granddaughter. Granddaughter, yeah. Granddaughter, right. Or niece. So, well, it's the niece when it's... We, we changed it to niece when the guys were younger because we had a couple uh-huh. of gyps that were really young and it's like, uh, unless he had sex when he was eight, there's no way <laughs> that this, this kid's a, 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 a grandfather. Right. So we oh, used niece for a long time and... Just recently, I'm like, well, why don't we make it grandmother? Mm-hmm. Because it's yes, I noticed. That. So we so we switch it to, and everyone was like, yeah, okay, good, because it at least sounds like the rhythm of the old line. So if we get an older jip, like on the ship, they still say granddaughter, because um, we can have an older jip on the ship. But the uh, the it's basically turned to grandmother everywhere else. So uh, Tommy, so uh, there's that whole thing. Oh, did you get your car back? Those guys, they went away. And uh, clearly, Tommy has called Jip, and uh, you know, so I guess he called Jip, huh, big guy? Just sing the song, smartass. I, it's, I'm probably reading way too much into this, but I, I just think it's like it's, it's a almost a glass shattering moment for Frankie because it's like, it's like the first time he notices that maybe Tommy's not all built up. The entire show. Up until the sit down is a slow evolution of Frankie realizing the truth about Tommy. Okay. In the first scene, the t- like type A and type B, Tommy is like a god. There's n- like Michelangelo. Totally, he he is just like he, he. There's nothing wrong with him. Right after Donnie and Stosh, he says, "You're going to call Jip." He already knows that Tommy can't handle this by himself. There's little, there's little things like that all the way th- through that build up to the sit-down where Tommy, Frankie finally turns his back on Tommy. So it starts out with absolute purity of, like, this guy is perfect to this guy is a complete asshole. And, and it, it takes the whole act to get there. I didn't even think of, oh, you're going to call Jip as him, you know, wow. Yeah. So he, even the fact that he goes behind Tommy's back to Donnie and Stosh is Frankie kind of trying to break out of being Tommy's little brother and Tommy and Frankie trying to do some stuff on his own. What happens to Frankie is that he goes, Nick takes him into the church. If, if, if Nick had money, he would have taken him into a recording studio. And that's what Bob Gaudio does with a lot of the guys who are playing Frankie. They'll actually go to Nashville, go to the recording studio. We do it on Skype now rather than sending them there. Re- record them, play them back so they can hear what they just did. He'll give them adjustments and notes, then record them singing it again so that they can hear what it sounds like. Because you you're not always the best judge of what things sound like by hearing it. So... Nick takes him. Nick can't take him to a recording studio, so he takes him to the church because of the echo. Yeah. So that Frankie can hear his voice. Frankie has never. Tommy, the fact that Tommy loves him 
and is his best friend. It's kind of the coolest thing that's ever happened to him, but he never wondered why. He never understood why. Mm-hmm. He ne- he'd never heard the sound of his own voice. So in the church, he has that moment where he hits the note and then looks out and goes, holy fuck. Right. <laughs> and so That could be he, such he, a funny realization moment. He, he has this moment of kind of going, wow, I've got a voice. So now that's what allows him to go into the pizza scene because he goes, he goes like, fuck this shit. I'm going after the hottest woman in town. I want her. He literally goes for J-Lo, right? So he, he, he grabs her. And, and, and so in that scene, in the pizza scene, it's, he's like, I'm going to get in there. That's why he's, he, he's, he's practiced all those lines. He's working her on them. And he's not all that discouraged because he knows he's going to get in there. That discovery of his voice gives him confidence that he'll have for the rest of his life. And so that's what the change in him is. It's like, oh, holy shit, I've got the biggest stick in the room. Oh, look at me. Good. So he's always got the voice. So um, we finish My Mother's Eyes, and we go into, you know, he, so he gets the claim check. I found in my mother's eyes. And then we hear that. Ba-da, 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 ba-da. We're going into Ape, and uh, they do the whole thing. Um Hank, at the end of at the end of that whole thing, um, the whole bit with Hank, um, so, you know, stick to what you know, rob a bank, plops the mask down and walks out. When did that come into play? That was right from the beginning. That's never it was changed. Always there. Well, so the line was originally, um, here's a piece of advice: uh, don't quit your day job. That that was and then he just leaves. Th- that was never performed. That was that was maybe from a really er- early rehearsal version or something like that. Oh, but that was never. It was always rubber bank. Okay. Okay, and then the whole thing with the yeah. The, I mean, that's a hysterical bit. We we had we had a very un- what, you know sometimes when we're auditioning people, and we give them the scenes and they're working on it, some really weird line readings come out, and we lose it. And one day we were doing that scene and the guy who was auditioning said, stick to what you know, Rob. <laughs> oh, bank. no. <laughs> stick to what you know, <laughs> It was really unfortunate. And we, we were like, thank you. Thank you so much. And like, I don't know if the guy got out of the room before we started howling with laughter or not. But it was just like, oh, and the guy, as soon as he did it, he knew that he had just totally screwed that up. Oh, he no. clearly not looked at the lines beforehand. He was kind of reading cold and was like, that's why you prepare. The poor guy. <laughs> yes, but to, to this day, that's one of our favorite audition things. That's Stick to what you know, Rob. <laughs> oh, bang. Like, who's Rob? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Rob. <laughs> I mean, I guess... Bob. There's no thought behind it. If the, he said Bob. It's, it's literally like the definitive an actor does not prepare. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite of Stanislav. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so Tommy also says um, on his way down the stairs to that gig in Nevada, um, he says there's three Mexicans there and a guy with no nose. What is a guy with no nose? What does that mean? Like he had leprosy or something. Oh, like there was oh, actually someone okay. there. Literally a guy with no nose. Oh. So, so, so it's not like Lord Voldemort. 
No, no, no. I thought it was well, well, I mean, the, that but, but, you know, there's, there, there are diseases that kind of eat away at your nose. And I have no idea why that ended up in, in, in the story or not. But the, the, so I go to see the, one of the companies of Jersey Boys. And, you know, the audience gets up and leaves. You know, the, four, the four or five people who are mm-hmm. sitting on the chairs get up during the song and they go out. And so one of the guys going out goes out and kind of touches his nose as he's going, Ooh. and 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 I, I you know I I got I usually see the show a couple of times when I go out to visit for a week, and so I I didn't think anything of it. And the next day I'm watching the show and he touches his nose in exactly the same way, and so I went, dude, what are you doing? And he said, I'm the guy with no nose, <laughs> and I'm like. No, you're not, actually. My and, 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 and it was like, but this, is, this is what happens when you do a show for a long time. You start overthinking it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, I, I, didn't, I, I thought I was the guy with no nose, so I didn't want anyone to see it. I said, God, dude, if you actually were the guy with no nose and were hanging out in the bar, it would mean that you were comfortable enough with it and everybody was aware of the fact that you had no nose, so you wouldn't feel the need to have to hide it. I was like, oh, yeah. Did he get fined for that? The, you, you only get fined if you continue to do something. You have to do it like three or four times after you've, got, oh. you've been warned verbally and written up and all of that. But no, he, he, he was, he, he's a truly lovely man. The, the, he, 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 was, I mean, he was genuinely investing in it. I mean, he really thought it was something that was adding to the story. And it's like, no. no. <laughs> because, it, because it just makes you kind of wonder, well, does he really have no nose? Did he, how did the actor remove his nose from the scene? And this right. becomes too much, too much way too much backstory. Yes. Yeah. As, De, as Des would say, too much of a muchness. When we get to after the performance, after, he, after uh, Hank Majewski leaves, you know, the, those seven chairs are still there. And, but, you know, they're really spread out. You know, Frankie... Nick and um, Frankie and Nick are spread out. It's early social distancing. There you go. Egg. Well, that's what we were saying. <laughs> like, I, I, if, if anyone can make a case for coming back, <laughs> it's, it's Jersey fine. Boys. <laughs> exactly. We're already ready. And he's wearing a, an ape mask. So yes, you're it's perfect. Yeah, th- uh, come, on. come on. Come back to the show. We're Opening fine. day. <laughs> Opening night. <laughs> um, and I noticed this this morning. We were thinking about it. When Tommy says they're in Love Lock, Nevada. With Ape. Please tell me if I'm thinking too much into this. Um, this whole scene. This was Tommy's first fail. That we see. As, like, as the band. So he fails big time in Nevada. And then of course he ends up in Nevada. Because of. All the shit he put the band through was that on purpose the love lock was chosen because it really is maybe the most remote place in the united states the the when we were teching the tour again in sacramento on the day off i drove to reno which is like three and a half hours east just to sort of see it love lock nevada was six and a half hours north of reno with nothing in between it. Ouch. Like, like, basically, Love Lock Nevada is a stop on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Like, like a, a, a rest stop. On Los Angeles. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I got the idea that it would be kind of great to drive up to Love Lock and get 
like something with like shot glasses or something with love luck on it yeah. but it was like i'm not driving six and a half hours up and six and a half hours back for a love luck nevada shot glass area i i i have no either marshall or rick or des mm-hmm. the, the the i when i was really young working on something one of the women in the show had been born in Bucksnort, alabama so <laughs> So Bucksnort, Alabama is the is the place that I always use for something that is like impossibly far away and ridiculously. And so clearly one of those guys for them, Love Luck Nevada was that was that place. Bucksnort, Love Luck. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Tommy's recurring line, you know, my hand to God. We it's it's we, 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 we always think of the Sopranos when we think about this line, because it's kind of like that. Um, so with, 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 with everyone in the Sopranos, you know, they're Catholic and all these guys in the show they're you know, they come from religious background and, um, but you know, how do you put it, Gia? They shiv someone on Saturday and they, they go to church on back. Sunday. They whack totally. someone Monday through Saturday so, and then, and then they go to church on Sunday. It, it's, it's that demented. And again, I'm Italian. I love this. It's intoxicating watching and talking about this stuff. But they're they're fucking nuts. Like I, they commit murder. Thou shalt not kill. And then they go to Sunday. Like everything's fine and I'm absolved. Um, and, well, and well, Tommy, basically, basically, he's he's trying to convince them that he's got a plan. He's, and so he's saying, literally, my hand yeah, to God, right. I got a plan. It, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And then, fact is, I'm I'm all over right. it. It's, it's yeah, exactly delusion. Total delusion. I am afraid. That it is now one forty six in the morning. I, we have yeah. two more it's, left. We, okay, go for it. <laughs> so, okay, so thank you so what, much. <laughs> thank you so much. Absolutely, yeah, we, we, guys. We we've been on here for about six hours now. <laughs> um, we can do this all night, all day, twenty four seven. But we got two more questions. Uh, yeah, we got two more questions. Good. Um, what is the criteria for the Joey voice? They are not, no one is supposed to do an impersonation of Joe Pesci. It is the actor in question. One of the, one of the things that I have them do in auditions is to literally run around the room four times and come in and say the scene as fast as they can. It's, it's like he can hear the sound that those guys will make together and it's everything to him. And so it's that need and desperation that, that makes the voice happen as opposed to trying to impersonate Joe Pesci. With the deck of cards, why the queen of spades? No idea. <laughs> Not a clue. That's our show, everybody. <laughs> That's our show, everybody. Thank you, New York. A perfect way to end. Uh, no. Like, literally not a clue. <laughs> no, but so, so you see, it's just like, it's just like w- w- one of those It's, it's queen of hearts, Pop- by the way, not queen of spades. What? Queen of hearts. Well, fuck us then. Well, fuck. <laughs> you know what? That's it. This, this has been our final podcast. No! Why did we think Queen of Spades? Now we're starting. Our credibility is I- shot now. We're so- <laughs> Six hours later. But stick to what you know. Damn you know. it. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. We have, we have never robbed a bank, though. So. Yet. We're still. F- yet. Yet. Yeah. You, know, you never. It's, There's a it's lot never of too early to start. Exactly, right? truly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that definitely this... wraps up 
today's. <laughs> this is this was wonderful, Richard. Thank you so. So, oh, bless you, Gia. By the way. Yes, because so tight. Thank you. Um, I don't know what happened. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> thank you so much, Richard, for coming and for really like just talking about everything and anything, and really pulling the curtain back and giving us an insight on what it was like creating this piece, what it's been like maintaining it, and really still finding those special moments. The show. It's uh, I, I can't. Um, I, I've probably seen Jersey Boys an excess of three thousand times from the front, and I over over sixteen years, and I don't ever get tired of it. And you know, the last six months not having any Jersey Boys at all, it's been really fun. Thank you guys for having me back. It's been really, it's been fun being back in it. Of course, and we, 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 we've had such a good reaction from all of our guests because, like like you said earlier, people love, people who worked on it know what, even the, the, the people who didn't originally create it and who weren't, have, who even have, haven't been on the team as long as you have, they know what a passion project it was and they know what they're getting into. And from from our point of view, it's it's just, we, we think it's so special and we think y'all are really, really, really special. Well, thanks. It, it's it, so, It's been uh, a great ride. Yay. And yeah. continuing. Awesome. Yes, yes, indeed. Forever, forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And awesome. this has been our show. This has been Silhouette's JB Podcast. Um, thank you, Anchor, so much for hosting us. Thank you, um, Gia, my wonderful best friend, my co-host, um, I love you so much. Thank you, Richard Hester, for being here. Follow us on Instagram, SilhouettesJBPodcast underscore. Follow us on Facebook, SilhouettesJBPodcast. Join our Facebook group, SilhouettesJBPodcast group. Listen to us wherever you can listen to podcasts. Thank you very much, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely.